Hello and welcome back to the lecture series with Reb T, which we try to do in a bi-weekly format. This year where we talk a topic per session with some practical lessons. Tonight's topic is the might of music. Sources are from safaria.org and ish.com unless noted otherwise. Look out for the points to carry over the PTCs to take with you hopefully from the sheer. All Shirem are on shirenjoyment.com slash shirem slash shirem dash reb dash t. Shout out to Jake W. and Ellie N. for all their hard work on Sheer Enjoyment. The lecture series, the PAL, the audio, DT, and OT talk shows, my, father, my, my other shows, the other podcasts, are on different podcast forums as well as the audio DDDs on Sheer Enjoyment. Feel free to email us at rebt at sheerenjoyment.com. The sheer should serve as a zechus and an aliyah for those who perish in Meron, those who passed away in the attacks on Israel in recent weeks, as well as those who are taken this year. The sheer should also serve as a zechus and Yeshua and refuah for anyone sick, anyone needing a Yeshua, anyone needing a refuah, especially those with any sickness, any illness, any machla, any condition. Or any salvation needed, may everyone be healed completely through good, safe, healthy, wonderful means, Bikarov. When I was around 9 or 10 years old, I was asked a life-changing question by my mom. Do you want to learn to play a musical instrument? If so, which one would you like to learn how to play? At first I was not sure, I was on the fence about it, but my mom said it would be good for me especially after, after having lost my dad at the tender young age of only nine, maybe it would really be a good outlet for me. Maybe it would be cool to learn. At first, I tried the piano for a minute, and I took a piano lesson with my mom, but that instrument did not really speak to me. Instead, I really gravitated to the guitar, and hence that became my instrument. I have not played for over 20 years, Baruch Hashem, thank God, wrote many tunes with lyrics, Recorded them, uploaded them as two episodes of the OT show, OT Talk with Mr. T. We called it Let's Talk My Music, Mr. T's Music, the concert one and two. Music playing for me is very cathartic and very emotional. And among the 40 or so tunes Hashem has given me the bracha to express myself through the guitar, among them I've written one for my dad who passed, a song for my brother who passed, along with a song about the difficulties of this past year, year and a half, along with many others, thanks to Hashem. Listening to music for me is also very important. For the past few years, it's only been Jewish male music, often upbeat, fast songs, especially when impersonating non-Jewish tunes with Jewish lyrics, which is actually one of my favorite things, like when 613 talks about the Lion King in a Pesach melody, or it takes Star Wars and makes it into a Hanukkah melody. I love when they do that. Listening to music can change a mood. There's slow music, there's fast music, there's upbeat music, there's sad music, there's funny music, and there's serious music, among many types. I listen on my phone, or I listen when it's connected to the car. Now, actually, my oldest says, I want to see the oval. Where's the oval? He likes when the Bluetooth connects to the phone, and he calls it the oval with the little cool symbol in the middle. He doesn't like when the, the, the AUX is connected with the wire. I don't want the skinny thing. I want the oval. Put it on. So we listen in the car. And we could connect it to the iPod itself or connect to a speaker or the computer or the house speaker. There's tons of ways to listen to music, but music should be in your life always, definitely part of your life. I once had a friend actually who told me, I'm not into music, I don't like music. 
And I'm, I thought to myself, how is that possible? How could there be someone that does not like music? Is that even a thing? Is that even possible? Music is awesome. How could that be? I was like determined I got to introduce you to different music, show you different music, but whatever. It doesn't appeal to him so much. But in general, I highly recommend music on many levels. There's so many genres. It's used in so many areas. There's a whole degree in a field of music therapy as well as its effect on being able to help people. My mom is actually a real-life music therapist. That's her degree with a music therapy degree and also teaches piano. There's a whole outlet, a whole field that is devoted to this concept. Music is the universal language. We're going to talk about a quote later on that proves that. All cultures have the same notes and the same chords and can play with one another. So if I'm playing the G chord on my guitar, and I play lefty, by the way, I'm a lefty, proud of it, purposely learned lefty. Also another question with my mom, should I play righty, should I play lefty? And at the time I was like selfishly thinking, I have to play lefty, I don't want anyone stealing my guitar in camp or Israel or high school. I don't want anyone touching my guitar. But thinking about it now, I'm what they call a southpaw, which is like the, the, the different type of guitar player. We don't get much love at Southpaws. There are not many guitar models, actually. There's very few, even from my favorite company. Not so many models, but in general, I am proud to be a lefty, and I'm proud to play lefty. I Davka specifically learned how to play guitar lefty, and that's how I play. So I strum in my left hand, and I, I do the notes and the chords holding the guitar neck with my right hand. But usually it's the opposite. Usually the righties strum with the right on the guitar and they use their fingers to move around the fretboard, the neck of the guitar with the left. But I purposely did it that way. So everyone has the same notes and the same chords. You could play with one another. So I could take my guitar and I could go to Honolulu. I could go to Hawaii. A G chord in America is the same thing as a G chord in Israel. A C chord in America is the same thing as a C chord in Africa. You could take your cello to China and play alongside them using the same music, even with vastly different languages and cultures. Fascinating. You could bring your guitar to Israel, which I did for Shana Aleph and Ben. I brought my guitar with me. My, my trusty, all faithful guitar been with me a very long time. You could bring it to Israel. You could play alongside your brothers and sisters there at the Koto with the same notes, the same chords, using the same universal language. Amazing. It is a way to connect even one of different languages and lifestyles or cultures. Music also can sound different and be expressed more beautifully on different types of one instrument or brand versus another. A standing piano, like we had growing up in the basement that my mom taught on, will have a different sound than a grand piano, which we had in the living room. A very different sound, a very different look. A classic guitar, which is what I learned on, which I, what I have, will sound different than a dreadnought guitar, which I'm aiming for, which will sound different than a concert-style guitar, which I don't like the look of, actually, personally. For brands, a Yamaha will sound different than a Steinway piano, which is seen by many as one of the best. And a Yamaha guitar or a Fender will sound different than a Martin, seen by many as the best, the creme de la creme, the most awesome brand of guitar. And they have a few for Lefty. They're wonderful. All these companies are amazing, but they will sound different. They do come out different. Music is a spiritual experience for many, at least for me, very spiritual experience. Many times I feel a connection to the music, more times than not. 
and it enters into the soul. And I feel at one with the guitar and the songs. It might sound very like hippie, but I'm actually explaining the feeling of what it's like. I can't really explain it. It doesn't do it justice unless you play. If you're a player, you get what I'm saying. You get what I mean. Even if not, hopefully you could appreciate the fact that it becomes a whole experience of being the person playing and singing. There are times when I feel gravitated towards playing different things. Just today, I played for my kids. Actually, my string broke. The A string broke just today. I had to change it. I was very proud of the fact that I could change my own strings. Over the years, I learned. And um, I felt like, you know, we got to play Hoshia Esamecha. And then I wanted to play a different song. So we played Big La La Havas Hoshia. So whatever song comes to my mind, and I have to figure out, you know, a lot of times I'll look up the chords, the tabs online. Sometimes I'll get the actual sheet music. Not everybody learns sheet music. It was a wonderful thing. We found a teacher who, who pushed it into me to do sheet music. And then sometimes I'll try to do it by ear, trying to figure out, like my mom has perfect pitch, but a lot of people don't have that. It's a very, very cool thing to be able to try to figure things out. I'm really not that good at it. But sometimes different things are, are keyed into what I personally want to play. Like the other day, I felt a need to play slow Jewish music songs. While a different day, I felt the need to play upbeat fast songs, such as music from my own fast songs. The question is, where does it all come from? Where and when did music start? So I have an answer for you. We look at Beratius, Perak Dalid, Pasik Chaf Aleph. Don't listen to any of these crazy people who say music started in, uh, you know, 100 CE, the common era, with the advance of Plato and Aristotle. That doesn't make any sense. The Torah itself tells us where it started. Who started it? Yuval. Hu haya avi kol tofes kinor v'ugav. What does that mean? Lemech's kid, the famous Lemech and Beratius, you know, he accidentally hurt his kids, you know, and then he was taken out by a later generation, whatever. You know, um, he, this kid of Lemech was Yuval. Who was Yuval? He was the ancestor of all who played the lyre and the pipe. What is a lyre and what is a pipe? Ebenezer points out on the Pasuk, the harp and the pipe, harp and pipe, kinor ve'ugai, are types of musical instruments. The ability to play these instruments require great wisdom. The Hakatav HaKabalah points out on the Pasuk, he figured out the glorious wisdom in how to make instruments. It's fascinating to think, who was the first person to figure out how to make the guitar? You look at a guitar and you're like, what a fascinating thing. You have, it has the body, it has the neck, it has the... The, 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 the top where you turn, the, you turn it to tune it to make it uh, sharper or flatter and to get it that a beautiful sound. Who thought to put strings on and a neck on and a body? Who thought to do this? So it goes all the way back to Yuval. The Radak on the Pasuk says he was the first man to invent music and musical instruments. So music has like thousands of years of history all the way all the way back to you know Beratius when we talk about Adam and Chava and then the generations down it's already many many thousands of years around the reason why the Torah uses the term Tafash Radak explains holding in one's hand is probably because the instruments such as guitars and violins have elongated parts and necks which are held by the hand Amazing, holding in one's hand because the instrument itself is held by hand. 
So music has been around for thousands of years, for millennia. How is music officially defined, though? What does it officially do to us? What does it do for us? So my friend, good old Wikipedia explains, music is the art of arranging sounds in time to produce a composition through the elements of melody, harmony, rhythm, and timbre. It is one of the universal cultural aspects of all human societies. One of the only universal cultural aspects of all society. Mind-blowing. General definitions of music include common elements such as pitch, which governs melody and harmony, rhythm with tempo, meter, and articulation, how fast or slow, dynamics, the loudness and softness, and the sonic qualities of timbre and texture, which are defined as the color of a musical sound. Different styles or types of music may emphasize, de-emphasize, or omit some of these elements. Music is performed with a vast range of instruments and vocal techniques ranging from singing to rapping. There are solely instrumental pieces, solely vocal pieces, such as songs without instrumental accompaniment, like a cappella, and pieces that combine singing and instruments. It's fascinating that in Jewish music we are able to find many of these elements. So the, the common pop songs that they're able to transpose into Jewish, I like finding like really you know cool, fast, upbeat, sometimes reggae Jewish singers like describe. And I love the, the, the Jewish rapper Nissan Black is amazing. Really cool stuff that's out there, especially in the Jewish realm. And it's turned into Jewish concepts. I love when that's possible. What we look for is something like that, especially on our own iPod, our own music, for sure. And there's also, of course, the solely vocal pieces. And there's also different aspects of this when you have the, the acapella or not and when you combine singing instruments. In many cultures, music is an important part of people's way of life as it plays a key role in religious rituals, rite of passage ceremonies like graduation and marriage. Can you imagine a graduation without any music? Can you imagine a wedding without any music? That's like one of the first things people work out with the flop situation when people split up how to do weddings. Like, who's going to be the band? It's like a uh, like a, a, the first thing you got to do is about the band. Social activities, dancing, and cultural activities ranging from amateur karaoke singing to playing in an amateur funk band or singing in a community choir. People may make music as a hobby, a leisure activity, like myself for 20 plus years. Thank God, thank God. Or like a teen playing cello in a youth orchestra. Or someone can work as a professional musician or singer. The music industry includes individuals who create new songs and musical pieces like songwriters and composers. Individuals who perform the music like the orchestra, the jazz band, the rock band musicians, the singers and conductors. Individuals who record music like music producers and sound engineers and individuals who organize concert tours, individuals who sell recordings, sheet music and scores to customers. Even once the song comes out or is performed, the music critic, the music journalist, the music scholar can assess and evaluate the piece and its performance. Wikipedia explains in terms of Jewish music, the history of religious Jewish music spans the evolution of cantorial, synagogal, and temple melody since Bible times, biblical times. The earliest synagogal music of which we have any account was based on the system used in the, in the Beit HaMikdash and Yerushalayim, in the temple. The Mishnah gives several accounts of temple music. According to the Mishnah, the regular temple orchestra consisted of 12 instruments and a choir of 12 male singers. And I'm sure they had to have very good, beautiful voices. We will see the source later, God willing. The instruments included the kinor, the lyre, the nevel, the harp, the tof, the tambourine, the shofar, the ram's horn, 
the chatzotzrot, the trumpet, all terms we hear throughout the, the Torah, and three varieties of pipe, the chalil, the alamot, and the ugai. The temple orchestra also included a symbol, the tzil made of copper. The Talmud also mentions use in the temple of a pipe organ, the magrefa, and states that the water organ was not used in the temple in the Mikdash as its sounds were too distracting. Unfortunately, no provable examples of the music played at the temple have survived. However, get this, there is an oral tradition that the tune used for Kol Nidre was sung in the temple. That I find hair-raising. Can you imagine? Kol Nidre has been around for thousands of years since the temple. We have the vestiges of something sung in the temple according to the tradition. Amazing. After the destruction of the temple in 70 CE and the subsequent dispersion of the Jews to Bavel and Persia, to Babylonia, versions of the public singing of the temple were continued in the new institution of the synagogue. Three musical forms were identified by scholars of the period, including different modes of antiphonal response between cantor congregation, the cantor singing a half a verse at a time, and the kahal, the congregation making a constant refrain, the cantor singing a half verse with the congregation repeating exactly what he had sung, the cantor congregation singing alternate verses. All of these forms can be discerned in parts of the modern synagogue service. Of course, there's also the idea of the cantor, the chazan, singing along with the congregation at the same time. That's actually my favorite time. Especially if I daven for the Ahmed and use a tune for Kedusha or sing other things. I love to sing with the kahal, with the congregation, not alone. I don't need to hear my own voice. We don't need to hear our own voice. We want to sing biyunis and biyachad as one. Hopefully using tunes they like and can sing along to. Songs can be uplifting. It can be an uplifting way to turn solemn days and overwhelming days into inspiring ones. In, pa- in fact, in the past few years, Hashem gave me the ultimate privilege and zechus to daven on Yom Kippur for the Amud, for Shachar and Mincha and my brother's minion. Very early, but very wonderful. Using many different tunes throughout the tefillah, hopefully inspiring at least myself for a better davening. Chabad.org points out with author Eliezer Steinman an interesting story. Rabbi Israel Baal Shem Tov, the Baal Shem Tov from, who lived from 1698 to 1716, the founder of the Hasidic movement, was once asked, why is it that Hasidim burst into song and dance at the slightest provocation? Is this the behavior of a healthy, sane individual? The Baal Shem Tov responded with a story. I love when Rabbanim always give mashalim stories, parables. Once, a musician came to town. A musician of great but unknown talent. He stood on a street corner and began to play. Those who stopped to listen could not tear themselves away. And soon a large crowd stood, enthralled by the glorious music whose equal they had never heard. Before long, they were moving to its rhythm and the entire street was transformed into a dancing mass of humanity. A deaf man walking by wondered, a man who was deaf, better to say, has the world gone mad? Why are the townspeople jumping up and down, waving their arms and turning in circles in the middle of the street? It must have looked like lunacy to the man who was deaf. Hasidim. Concluded the Baal Shem Tov, are moved by the melody that issues forth from every creature in God's creation. If this makes them appear mad to those who, with less sensitive ears, should they therefore cease to dance? We too should have the rhythm of life beating in our bones 
in our souls, our very essence. Music can be the key to unleash such a feeling. I always wondered throughout the years, there are some families that don't sing on Shabbos, on Shabbat. And I always felt that really sad. And, grow, and growing up, I always wasn't such a fan. It actually is a chatasi, a visi, bashati. Growing up, I didn't always love singing, but thank God, after yeshiva, very into singing. And now on Friday night and Shabbos day, we try to sing, you know, and we sing, and then on Shabbos day, we try to do, and then the other tunes, you know, you know, so we try to do all these tunes, and then even for, for Shal Shudasaski, Nusu, Dasa, my wife always says, why do we, why do we, why do we sing such solemn songs? And I say, that's Davka precisely the point. At Shalashudas, when Shabbos is ebbing away, when Shabbos is leaving us, that's definitely when we're supposed to be sad to lose Shabbos. We shouldn't be like those people that run to end Shabbos, that are happy to end Shabbos. What a sad predicament. You're running to the week. What is so important? What is so amazing about your week that you're so trigger happy to let go of Shabbos? You should be sad to let go of Shabbos. You should keep Shabbos longer. In fact, my wife and I often do that, you know, keeping in, especially in the summer months, keeping in the waning moments of Shabbos, you know, taking it a little longer. Granted, people might get nervous. Where are we? Where's the phone? Where's everybody? But really, everybody knows by now that we take a few extra minutes, especially when the kids are sleeping and my wife and I could sit and read those amazing Jewish novels as, as Shabbos ebbs away. That's why Davka, the end of Shabbos, is slow. Not haunting tunes, but, but meaningful tunes. That's why it's wonderful to keep song in Shabbos and song throughout your whole life. Music should be in our bones, in our souls, in our very essence. H.com points out with author Shoshana Sarah, or Sarah, music is by nature therapeutic. Once you learn how to improvise, you can express on the instrument whatever you're feeling. It's sort of a musical homeopathy, which is exactly how I feel, but this is written much better than I could say. If you're feeling depressed, you don't decide that since depression is something bad that you shouldn't be feeling, you'll play happy music, try to counteract it. No. Instead, you play music that matches how you feel. As you improvise the music that expresses whatever state of mind you're in, without judging it, the music naturally transforms into a different state, usually positive, and you transform along with it. That's why I specifically wrote the song for my dad and for my brother and for the year of chaos and tumult that we had. Specifically writing a sad song because after you let the emotions through the songs, you can then move to a happier tune, to a happier state of being. Harvard points out from 2019 that Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, the famous author, wrote, Music is the universal language of mankind. So we have validation that we know music is the universal language. Again, his quote is, music is the, the universal language of mankind. Scientists at Harvard have just published the most comprehensive scientific study to date on music as a, as a cultural product, which supports the American poet's pronouncement and examines what features of song tend to be shared across, across societies. Music is that universal language. It's binding. You could not even speak the same language. You could be in the middle of Tahiti, in the middle of uh, anywhere, Greenland, Iceland, New Zealand, but you could play the same song and it could connect you because it is that bridge, that gapping, it bridges the gap of all people, all cultures. H.com points out from the H. Rabbi, 
And Judaism, music and song, is considered one of the most powerful forces that exist to effect, affect the hearts of human beings. The entirety of Torah is referred to as a song, a shir. When Moshe was commanded to write the first Torah scroll, he was told, Kisfunah Tashira Hazot, in, in, in Devarim, literally referring to Hazina, which is a song itself, in Devarim chapter Lamed Bet, which is actually coincidentally, nothing is coincidental, Hashkacha, that chapter Lamed Bet is a song. Why is that fascinating? Because Lave, the heart, is bound in music and in song. So it's not a coincidence, it's Hashkacha Mamash, that the song is in chapter Lamed Bet, which is the heart, because the heart is inherently tied to song, inherently tied to music, an actual song. But it's really referring to the entirety of the Torah as well. It's part of the reason why the Torah school is not read in the synagogue like a book. Rather, the reader chants the Torah like a song. Are some of the actual things we use when reading the Torah. They chant it like a song. Every pasuk, every word has a specific trap we call it that has to be sung and has to be said so that the, the, the actual sukkim, the verses, have an actual flow to it, have an actual chant and song to it. Every word of the Torah is accompanied by a note, by a trap to be sung. Also the Haftorah as well, a different type of trap. This is for a number of reasons. Firstly, the entirety of Torah comprises a giant symphony. Every detail represents a type of musical instrument, each one necessary for the wholeness of the great concerto. Another reason is that music goes straight to the heart. In Judaism, the heart is the place where the physical and spiritual aspects of a human being fuse into one existence. Hence, it's no coincidence that the Shira is written in the Perak of Lamed Bet, in Lev. The expression of the dual existence is in the power of speech which was launched at the moment of the combination of soul to body. The zenith of speech is song, which draws upon the deepest connection of body and soul within the heart. The Rambam explains, Maimonides, that the, pro- that the prophets, to reach the level of connection necessary to reach prophecy, would play or listen to music. You think about Yitzchak, by the way. He had to be in a good state of mind, a good state of being, to give the brachos to Yaakov and Esav. So he went about that getting food, but also many would go through music to do that. David played for King Shaul, we're going to look at the source in a little bit, to bring him to those levels. And later King David himself wrote an entire book of Psalms, Tehillim, prayers through music. And they talk about one of the sources, we'll look at how the harp was literally suspended above his bed and would actually, the wind in the midnight would actually play music and make songs to wake him up and he would do Tikkun Leil Klali Chatzos. The sages teach that the Messiah, Mashiach, will teach us the eighth tone, which will radically change music to become a divine connection. This explains why nations have national anthems and armies march into battle amid musical accompaniments. Music has a profoundly influential as well as defining effect. H.com points out from author Sarah Dukes that the author explains how piano lessons for her began at six years old. Listen, I started at ten or so, but six. And continued throughout high school. After the excitement of learning a new instrument wore off, she found herself experimenting with the piano as her fingers curiously explored the keys and their sounds. For me, it took many years for me to be able to go up and down the, the, the fretboard of the guitar, the neck, to figure things out. But as you get the instrument more and more in tune with yourself, this is something that might happen for you as well. 
It wasn't long before she discovered that it was possible to create an unlimited number of melodies and harmonies that went way beyond the notes found within the piano books. The piano suddenly became a magical device as she realized it was a powerful tool that could be used to weave an infinite amount of stories and emotions. She began turning to the piano as a way to express herself. It became an outlet. When she was excited, angry, or confused, she'd be drawn to the piano and release her emotions through its keys. She began composing. The songs were simple yet sincere. The compositions became her journal. The piano keys were the, pe- were the pen. The songs burst from the heart in almost uncontrollable fashion. Each person is given unique capabilities and leanings for a purpose. She realized that God gave her a specific talent. She was keeping it to herself would have been not good. It would have been unappreciative of the unique gift from Hashem. The fear of imperfection seems silly, but we should share what we have. You have the power to have an impact on the lives of others through your own unique qualities and skills. You matter, you use it, you need to give it to others. That's what I always say about the podcast, where I have a love for radio and audio, so I have to use it. A love for the guitar, I have to play it. If you have a love, a keen interest in something, a journalist or whatever, whatever you feel compelled to you have to do something it would be a waste if you don't this exactly expresses how i feel about my guitar and playing the guitar as well as playing my songs which might seem on some level simple quote unquote if you play an instrument this could be how it could feel for you as well if you don't yet play or want to maybe this could be the experience you could feel if you learn to play if you used to play but you didn't play in many years this could be something that comes back to you As many people say, it's like procedural memory, like driving a car, riding a bike, which comes back to you after trying it again after a long time. Listen to this fascinating story about music from H.com with author Basi Gruen. What would happen if one of the greatest violinists alive, playing on a Stradivarius, very expensive type of instrument worth several million dollars was plunked into the sterile environment of a Washington, D.C. metro station at the height of morning rush hour. Would anyone stop to listen? Would anyone recognize the genius, the soaring beauty of the playing? Gene Weingarten, a Washington Post staff writer, was determined to find out. The idea was born a number of years ago, and this of course already is an old article, when Weingarten left a crowded metro station and noticed, noticed a ragged-looking man playing the keyboard. The musician was quite good, but he was receiving virtually no notice. Looking at the amorphous mass of humanity rushing by, Weingarten felt a surge of anger. The thought crossed his mind that even the greatest of musicians wouldn't be able to touch these rushing creatures. But he decided to test his hypothesis before indicting the public. The result was an intriguing social experiment. Weingarten approached Joshua Bell, one of the finest classical musicians in the entire world. Bell, 39 at the time, is a, was a consummate violinist who played before awestruck crowds across the globe. His instrument is a violin crafted by Antonio Stradivari, hence Stradivarius, in 1713, at the end of the Italian master's career. Bell purchased the violin at an auction several years ago for $3.5 million. $3.5 million. Bell 
and his violin are musical mastery at its absolute height. Bell acquiesced to the request with surprising ease. Finding a venue proved more difficult as Metro laws per- forbid busking, but Weingarten overcame this obstacle when he discovered a station with an indoor arcade owned by a private company. The owner graciously agreed to allow the experiment to take place. The stage was set. On January 12, 2007, at 7.51 on a Friday morning, Bell, dressed in jeans, a long-sleeved t-shirt, and a Washington Nationals baseball cap, opened his violin case, threw a few dollars in as seed money, and began to play. The pieces he performed were not popular, well-known ditties. They were complex, breathtaking masterpieces that have endured for centuries. Bell put his heart and soul into his music, coaxing pristine, resonant notes, beautiful sounds, beautiful music from his instrument. He played six pieces in 43 minutes. During that time, how many people do you think walked by? During that time, 1,097 people walked by the virtuoso. How many people stopped to listen to the music? Only seven people stopped to hear the music for more than a minute. 1,097 people walked by. Seven stopped to hear the music. That means 1,090 people walked by and don't even realize that a virtuoso is playing beautiful music, enchanting music. How can that be? Seven people out of 1,097 people stop. 27 tossed in some money while hurrying on. They literally think he's a, a, he's a beggar, a schnarr, a guy trying to get some money in the middle of the subway. This is a virtuoso, a world-renowned musician. The rest rushed by in oblivion. Weingarten wrote up the results of his experiment early April back then in the Washington Post, two days before Joshua Bell accepted the Avery Fisher Prize, the greatest honor a classical musician in America can receive. Unbelievable. And the reactions poured in. This story got the largest and most global response of anything I have ever written for any publication, remarked Weingarten. Over a thousand comments came from around the globe. More than 10% of the readers wrote that the article made them cry. I myself remember this story. I remember it being very um, heart-stricken by this as being uh, someone who plays as a hobby. I can only imagine if it was a job of mine how, how crazy this could be. Crazy, crazy story. Why did the article make them cry? They cry for the deadened souls that couldn't stop to appreciate the beauty that surrounded them. They cry for the lost moments, the opportunities that slipped through our hands never to return. They cry for the rush of life, which sucks up the essence of life itself. How sad, how tragic that we let the music of life, literally in this story, slip by. Life is too short to miss the sweet sound and the sweet sounds of the harmonious melodies around us. 
make sure to fully stop and listen, really listen to the music around you, the music of life. You never lose by stopping to listen to the beautiful symphonies of life. You never lose by stopping to listen and look at the beautiful harmonies of Hashem's world and Hashem's creations. So stop, listen to the music, play the music, soak it in. H.com points out from Rabbi Sachs, Zecher Tzadik Levracha, in relation to the splitting of the sea for the Jewish nation at the Yam Suf, for the first time since their departure from Egypt, the Israelites do something together. What do they do? They sing, Az Yashir Moshe. What is the place of song in Judaism? There's an inner connection between music and the spirit. When language aspires to the transcendent, and the soul longs to break free of the gravitational pull of the earth, it modulates into song. Music, said Arnold Bennett, is a language in which the soul alone understands, but which the soul can never translate. It is, in Richter's words, the poetry of the air. Tolstoy called it the shorthand of emotion. Goth said, religious worship cannot do without music. It is one of the foremost means to work upon man with an effect of marvel. Words are the language of the mind. Music is the language of the soul. So when we seek to express or evoke emotion, we turn to melody. Devorah sang after Israel's victory over the forces of Sisra in, 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 in um, Judges, in Shoftim, Perak Hay. Hannah sang when she had a child in Shmuel Aleph, Perak Bet. When Shaul was depressed, David would play for him and his spirit would be restored in Shmuel Aleph. For example, Perak Ted Zion. David himself was known as the sweet singer of Israel. Shmuel Bet Perik Chaf Gimel. Elisha called for a harpist to play so that the prophetic spirit could rest upon him. Malachim Bet Perik Gimel. The Levites sang in the temple. Every day in Judaism we preface our morning prayers with Pesuket Zimra, the verses of song with their magnificent crescendo, Tehillim Kuf Nun 150, in which instruments and the human voice combine to sing God's praises. So when we pray, we do not raid we sing. When we engage with sacred texts, we do not recite, we chant. Every text and every time has, in Judaism, its own specific melody. There are different tunes for Shachar's Mincha, and Marav, the morning, afternoon, and evening prayers. There are different melodies and moods for the prayers for a weekday, Shabbat, the three pilgrimage festivals, Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot, which have much musically in common, but also tunes distinctive to each, and for the high holidays, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. There are different tunes for different texts. There's one kind of cantillation trap for Torah, another for the half Torah from the prophetic books from Navi, and yet another for Kesuvim, the writings, especially the five Megillah. We just did one on Shavuos for Rus. There is a particular chant for studying the text of the written Torah, for studying Mishnah Gemara. Some people have a whole Gemara cup, a Gemara chant. So different people have different ways and different madrashim, but different bati madrashim, but sometimes there's a hum to, to learning. I remember in yeshiva in Israel, there was a hum. You felt like the undercurrent of the hum to people learning. So by music alone, we can tell what kind of day it is and what kind of text is being used. There's a map of holy words, and it is written in melodies and songs. Music has extraordinary power to evoke emotion. The Kol Nidre prayer, which is so 
haunting, a hauntingly beautiful prayer, a very solemn prayer with which Yom Kippur begins is not really a prayer at all. Do you know what it is? It's a dry legal formula for the annulment of vows. What? There can be little doubt that it is an ancient, haunting melody that has given its hold over the Jewish imagination. It's hard to hear those notes and not feel that you're in the presence of God. Our generation needs new songs so that we too can sing joyously to Hashem, as our ancestors did at the moment of transfiguration when they crossed the Yom and emerged the other side free at last. When the soul sings, the spirit soars. H.com points out with Penina Istroff, the author, The Israeli army plays songs about peace and the end of war. May they always know peace. May they always know good things. May they have a respite from their enemies. May all of their enemies be gone from around them. May they have full control of all of Israel. And may Mashiach and the Beit HaMikdash come speedily today. The music speaks volumes. Almost all the songs played while the soldiers march are songs about peace. About the end of war. About how glorious it will be when we can take off our uniforms and live in peace. You can only imagine what kind of songs the enemies sing. They sing about flowers in the barrels of our guns. About using destroyers to transport oranges. About the dove with the olive branch. I think of a teenager, Leora Friedman, who founded Music for Medicine as described on H.com to play songs written for those with different medical issues or conditions. Idealist.org explains Music as Medicine is a non-profit that helps artists produce inspiring music experiences for pediatric patients. Musicismed.org. Specifically, the organization pairs artists with seriously ill children so the artists can generate and create original songs for the patients that not only uplift them, but also raise money and awareness for the fight against their diseases. The greater goal of the organization is to transform music into a vehicle for social change by empowering artists across the United States, from celebrities to college kids, to participate in music-related service projects that benefit seriously ill children. I think of two violinists who play music from the Holocaust, explained on H.com, one called Francesco Lotoro, who has dedicated his life to uncovering thousands of pieces composed in concentration camps, and Niv Ashkenazi, who has an album featuring instruments and music by composers that were affected by the Holocaust. John Hopkins Medicine points out, if you want to firm up your body, head to the gym. You want to exercise your brain? Listen to music. There are a few things that stimulate the brain the way music does, says one John Hopkins otolaryngologist. Otolaryngologist. Excuse me, try saying that ten times fast. If you want to keep your brain engaged throughout the aging process, listening to or playing music is a great tool. It provides a total brain workout. Research has shown that listening to music can reduce anxiety, can reduce blood pressure, and reduce pain, as well as improve sleep quality, improve mood, improve mental alertness, and improve memory. Listen to these fascinating short story examples of the might of music from blog.sonicbids.com with writer Dylan West. When Senator Gabriel Gifford suffered a, a survived a brutal assassination attempt outside of Tucson, Arizona in 2011, she was left disabled and unable to walk or speak. However, she soon regained all of her speech facilities after being submitted to music therapy. Though she could not speak with help, she was soon able to sing. Through singing, she was able to gradually restore her ability to talk and communicate, was even able to return to Congress for a period of time, 
though she later resigned to focus on completing her recovery. Another story explains how college can be incredibly intense, and in order to help reduce stress levels among students and staff, UCLA started their Healthy Campus Initiative. Part of the initiative is called Mindful Music, a series of weekly 30-minute concerts put on by other students. At the beginning and end of every concert, surveys are handed out asking the audience how they feel prior to the music versus how they feel after the concert has ended. Though the volume of data necessary to make a conclusion has yet to be obtained, Many students who attend the concerts reporting feeling lower stress levels and an enjoyment for the break in their hectic schedules. In a different story, Taylor McPherson found out after suffering from constant headaches that she actually had a ruptured blood vessel in her brain. Lo, Elena, we should never know from such things. As with Senator Gifford's case, she was put into a medically induced coma after surgery and woke up unable to talk. We should never know from such things. Lo, Elena. However, she also woke up with a case of amnesia, also never know from such things. Upon returning from their coma, she suffered from a lot of confusion since she could not remember who her parents were, who had been with her the entire time. Not only was she suffering from the confusion, but she couldn't express it either. Ever-present was Taylor's music, music therapist, which is interesting because it's actually a type of music called a Taylor, Lahavdil, who continued to play guitar and sing to her, and eventually Taylor's voice began to return. At the encouragement of her therapist, she tried to sing about her feelings, and the more she sang, the more she remembered. By the end of the process, she had her voice and memory back, as well as a fully formed new original song entitled Keep Your Head Held High. Much like the case involving Senator Giffords, it would seem that music travels and builds up different pathways within the brain, making the mind much stronger, connecting the hemispheres like nothing else can. In another story, World War II was considered to be the bloodiest conflict in recorded history. When surrounded by more death than is realistically imaginable, one soldier was able to use, use music as a way to communicate what no words could. On a muddy evening, two weeks after D-Day, Jack Leroy Teller and his crew were waiting anxiously for the last German sniper that was watching them to be eliminated. Feeling stressed, Teller pulled out his trumpet to calm down, despite the wishes of his commander. Believing that the sniper was likely feeling just as scared and alone as they were, he decided to play out a famous German love song to try and ease the mutual tension. Sure enough, a military police truck drove up to their camp the following morning, containing some recently captured prisoners, one of which was the last sniper. After inquiring about who the trumpet player was, he explained that the song made him think about his family back home in Germany, and he could not bring himself to fire after hearing it, and gave himself up instead. Music, it seems, can heal and inspire more than one type of mind wound. It strengthens the mind, inspires memories, and comforts the distressed. Lastly, when a young singer named Crystal Go lost her voice as the result of an unusual medical condition, she was devastated and isolated herself from other people. After gradually regaining her ability to speak two years later, she started singing again. And out came a song that was able to express the joy that she felt after recovering her voice. This inspired an idea and the Diamonds on the Street project was born. She reached out to communities of at-risk children and children whose parents were in prison and inspired them to take their sorrow and pain and put the feelings into song. This first project resulted in a five-track album and two live performances with the children. Today, Diamonds on the Street is still going strong and has a solid team behind it. Music can have a profound impact on your life and those around you. It can literally shift people's moods. 
it can literally change lives and impact lives for the better. Make sure to have music in your life. If you're lucky enough, thanks to Hashem, to know how to play an instrument, make sure you do so. Constantly, on whatever type of instrument you can afford or save up for, ideally to get the best sounding one within reasonable means. Make sure to do so on a consistent basis. If you don't use it, you may very well lose it. All the skills, which would be a waste. Conversely, it may be a part of procedural memory which stays in the mind. So if you haven't played for years, it could come back to you. Kind of like when you learn to ride a bike or drive a car and you could pick it up again after years of not doing so. For myself, I need to keep up playing all the time to keep up with the elements of the guitar. Oftentimes, if something is forgotten for a bit, many times, thank God, it comes back with practice and persistence. If you want to play any song and you know chords, you can look up sheet music or chords tabs online to more easily play, which I've done countless times just make sure to play all the time throughout the year oftentimes i play guitar in the winter months Nader, havdallah for my family as well as a pseudo type of kumzitz in non-winter months i've been playing Nader, oftentimes throughout the week for the kids at bedtimes many of my songs as per their request can you play jump up and down that's one of my songs jump up and down jump up and down tom Simcha in the town and the other son says can you play um how about, can you play uh, Torah? Learn Torah too. And that's another one of the songs. As well as other songs. As mentioned, I've uploaded my songs, minus the few most recent ones, into two podcast episodes online. If you're interested, search OT Talk with Mr. T. And this the episode was called Let's Talk My Music. Um, and it's called Mr. T's Music, Concert 1 and 2. Where it's about an hour each. And it's all the songs from all the years, minus the few most recent ones. And remember, podcasts are free, usually. So make sure that you're involved in music. Make sure you're listening to music. Make sure you're playing music. It can literally shift your day, your mood, your perspective. Music should always be a part of your life. It is mighty and powerful. Do not underestimate the might of music. It might just change your whole life. I want to point out a couple of other sources how important music is in Jewish literature. In fact, in the Mishnah Torah talks about how good music is that we can't do it on fast days. We're ordained not to play musical instruments. It's forbidden to rejoice with all types of music and any instruments that make musical sounds. It's forbidden to listen to them on account of destruction. Even vocal music over wine is forbidden because it makes us happy. We're not supposed to do that. The Shulchan Aruch points out in Orachayim, they decree not to play music with instruments and musical devices and all things that make music to rejoice with them. We don't want to do so because it makes us happy. All of Israel is accustomed to sing words of praise or songs of thanks and remembering the goodness. Gemara Sanhedrin points out on 99, sing every day, sing every day. Review your studies like a song that one sings over and over. A person is supposed to labor in Torah in this place, this world, and his Torah labors for him in another place the world to come. And that's a point to carry over. Make sure to play all the time. Make sure to sing all the time. Listen to music constantly. It leads to happiness and infuses joy and emotion into life. We look at Az Yashir in Shemos and we look at how Moshe and the Israelites sang the song to Hashem. I will sing to Hashem. He has triumphed gloriously. He hurled them into the sea. Rashi points out when he saw the miracle Moshe, it entered his mind that he would sing a song. Miriam also thought to sing in Shemos. Miriam, the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her and danced with timbrels. And she said, She chanted for them 
that Hashem threw them into the sea. Again, singing. In Bamidbar, the, the Bnei Israel also sang as per Moshe. Then Israel sang this song, Spring up, oh well, sing to it. We talk about Tehillim, how the leader, Ashashan, of the Kohan is a masculine love song. And that's another point. Music can be inspired at any time. Make sure to capitalize on the inspiration and to infuse it with song and music. In, Dir- in Divrei Ayamim, in, 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 in Chronicles, it talks about, in Parak Tedvav, how David ordered the officers of the Levites, the Levites, to install their kinsmen, the singers, with musical instruments, harps and lyres and cymbals, joyfully making their voices heard. It talks about in Ezra, also Paragimel, when the builders had laid the foundation of the temple of Hashem, priests in their vestments with trumpets, and the Levites' sons of Asaph with cymbals were stationed to give praise to Hashem, as the king David of Israel had ordained. Shmuel Aleph points out how it talks about how the, the Shaul was going to have prophecy. You're going to encounter a band of prophets, I believe Shaul, coming down from the shrine, preceded by lyres and timbrels, flutes and harps, that they will be speaking in ecstasy. And that's another point. Musical instruments infuse joy into the soul. I can tell you personally, for sure. Allowing prophecy, not for us nowadays, it's been gone a long time, but inspiration to come down from above. I can tell you many times I'm just playing around with different chords and Hashem strikes me with an idea. He puts it in my mind, wow, He inspired me to do this, to do that. Especially when I was in Israel and, and I thought about the song for Notch, which I call the song for my brother and the song for Dad. The different songs came to my mind thanks to Hashem putting it in my mind, especially through the instrument. Shmuel Bet points out in Parag Vav, David and the house of Israel danced before Hashem to the sound of instruments with lyres and harps and timbrels and sistrums and cymbals. Yama points out in Chafhei, David and the officers of the army set aside the services of the sons of Asaph of Heman and Jedetan, who prophesied to the accompaniment of lyres, harps, and cymbals. And, and Yama Bed talks about in Parakei, the trumpeters and singers join in unison to praise and extol Hashem, the sound of the trumpets, the cymbals, and other musical instruments, the praising Hashem. And that's another point. Being happy in the service of Hashem is greater accomplished through musical accompaniment, especially when used with instruments. In, Divra, in, in Devarim, we point, it's pointed out in Paraglam and Aleph, write down the poem, teach to the people of Israel, put in their mouths in order the poem may be witnessed against Israel. The Mishnah in Sukkah points out in, in, in Hey Dalid, the pious and men of action would attach to celebration, they would have torches, they would say before them passages of songs and praise to Hashem, talking about the Simchat Beit HaShoevam. The Levites would play on lyres and harps and cymbals and trumpets and countless other musical instruments. They would stand on the 15 stairs that dis- excuse me, descend from the courtyard to the woman's courtyard, corresponding to the 15 songs of Psalms. The Shira Malas is their 15, not a coincidence. Corresponding to the 15 stairs of the Mikdash, maybe. Shmuel Aleph points out, Shaul says to his courtiers, Find me someone who can play well and bring him to me. One of the attendants spoke up. I've observed the son of Yishai, the Bethlehemite, skilled in music. He is a sower fellow and a warrior, sensible in speech and handsome in appearance. Shmuel points out in Ted Zion, whenever the evil spirit of God came upon Shaul, David would take the lyre or the harp and play it. Shaul would find relief and feel better, and the evil spirit, or melancholia it's called oftentimes in translation, would leave him. Bet talks about how, as someone else talked about getting a musician, get me a musician. This musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon him. And that's the point. If you feel sad, use music to help you. If you feel down, 
allow music or a musical instrument to let out your sorrow through music, song, and expression. It's not good to avoid the instrument like the play. God forbid someone is dealing with something that's a down, or God forbid someone is dealing with a loss which never knows from such things. It's not good to avoid the music for years, for months, for days. The music can actually be the helpful one to get what you need out through song. It can help you through the tears, through the heartbreak, through the sadness, whatever's going on in your life. Don't avoid it. Use it. I personally, purposefully have at least three intentional sad songs I wrote on the guitar, specifically for my dad that passed, specifically for my brother that passed, specifically for the heartache of the year that passed. And I purposefully picked up the guitar at those times in order to do so. Shmuel Olive points out, the woman of all the town of Israel came when he came back, when David came back from killing the plishtim, singing and dancing to greet Shaul with the timbrels shouting in the systems. And Tehillim points out, in Yud Gimel, I will sing to Hashem, he's good to me. And Tehillim in Kuf Mem Vav talks about praising Hashem with singing hymns to him while he exists. Mishnah Sukkah points out the flute is played on the festival of Sukkot for five or six days. The flute of the Simcha Beit HaShoeva, one who didn't see such a celebration, never saw real celebration in all his days. Tehillim and Vav talks about instrumental music on the Sheminis, so the Psalm of David. And Psalms talks about in Kufnun, we mentioned before, we praise him, we praise him, we praise him with, his, with the blast of the horn, with the harp and the lyre, with the cymbal and dance, with the lute and the pipe. We praise him with the cymbals, we praise him with all those things, breathing to Hashem, hallelujah. Gamibur points out the fixed festivals and the new moon dates shall sound trumpets over them and the sacrifices of well-being. And this source just came to me just the other day, literally just came up in Daf Yomi Mamash a day or two ago, Yuma. 38b. Listen to this. We just saw this in Dafyomi land. The Mishnah related that Chugras ben Levi knew a lesson in the art of music and he did not want to teach it to others. It was taught in a Bryson when Chugras ben Levi projects his voice in a sweet melody. He places his thumb into his mouth, places his finger between the strings of a lyre and sings. This produced a sound so sweet that his brethren, the priests, were abruptly taken aback. The article notes point out, he didn't want to teach his method of singing to others for the same reasons as the houses of the other families mentioned on that daf involved in the incense and baking of the bread like the house of Garmu with the secret way of doing things, the best way in the temple for those things because he, like them, were worried about the methods falling into the hands of idolaters and using for idolatry, God forbid. However, the rabbi still censured him for not teaching it to others and that's the point to carry over. If you have a talent for music, like we talked about earlier, and you know to use it and play and sing, use it for others. Teach it to others. Do not let it be wasted. I love the pe- the idea of the people who go to like pediatric wards and take their piano with them, take their guitars with them to cheer up those around them, using their music, their talent for good. Don't let it be wasted. Another point is to use music to thank Hashem and praise Hashem to recount elements of His care for us. The Gemara Megillah points out Rabbi Shefatia said that Rabbi Yochanan said anyone who reads from the Torah without a melody or studies the Mishnah without a song the verse states so I too gave them statues that were not good. You should use trap. You should use cantillation. You should use the rhythm, the chant of the Torah. Because song, the point is, should be used in davening and praying and learning and studying on the Torah and the Haftorah through different elements in life. Infuse music and song wherever possible in life. In Shmuel Aleph and Parag Ben, Chana prayed that her heart exulted in Hashem. She triumphed through Hashem. She gloated over her enemies. She rejoiced in deliverance. She literally was singing praises through her heart because of being given Shmuel. 
Lukuti Maran points out that the hand, the imagination can be connected to the hand, the hand of the prophets. The hand is the aspect of joy, corresponding to rejoicing in the effort of your hand from Devarim. It's an aspect of musical instruments that are played with the hand, which prophecy would come to rest on the prophets. As it said, get me a musician, like we talked about from Malachim Bet. For an instrument is a gathering of the Ruach. Lukuti Maran also points out David was lauded before Shaul as one who was skilled at playing music. Because song is a concept of building of Malchus, which is why David was deserving of Malchus. And Lakuti Maran also points out this is the aspect of waking at midnight. A harp hung over David's bed, and when midnight arrived, it would play by itself, Brachos points out in the Gemara. In other words, at midnight, the aspect of sacred music drawn from the harp of David was aroused, this being the aspect of extracting the good Ruach in order to use it for Hashem. Using music, playing music on an instrument to talk to Hashem. That's another point. We should use our own hands to physically imbue music with spirituality. The hands can connect the body to the soul to infuse music from within to come out into life. Hence, instruments require hands to play them. Did you ever think about why we need our hands? Because our hands help us bring the music into life, into the outward existence that we have. The Gemara points out in Erechon, the Mishnah talks about in the temple there are no fewer, this is the source, than 12 Levites standing on the platform adjacent to the altar and singing. One may add Levites on the platform up to an infinite number. A minor Levite may enter the temple court for service only at a time when the Levites are engaging in songs. They may accompany them. And the minor would not engage in the lyre and the harp, but they would sing with the mouth. And that's the point. Make sure not to sing only by oneself, but to sing with others, keeping in mind the idea of Kol Isha with family, friends, and in shul. Sing along as one unit and one voice. I think of the idea in Masora, how they have the idea of Zimriah, everybody singing in like a sing-off. The Radak points out in Tehillim, the Psalm of David, the Nusach, it's evident that a person called the Menatseach, the chief musician, is one who was over the singers. The Psalm were rendered under the direction of these chief musicians who assigned them to certain players and singers. And that's another point to carry over. When singing with others, make sure to include everyone with parts they can contribute and help out with. Even if it means a triangle with a tap or for a small child, get everyone involved with their respective parts. And the last source is from Sefer Hasidim. When you pray, use those tunes that are pleasant and sweet in your eyes, which will draw your heart after what is spoken from your mouth. For supplication, use a tune that readies the herd. For praise, use a term that gladdens the heart. Use a tune that others know, like we mentioned before. Your mouth will be filled with a love and a joy for Hashem. That's the last point to carry over. Make sure to sing with others that which they want to hear, such as when dominating for the Ahmad. Make sure to use familiar, enjoyable tunes for others. Don't just sing for yourself. Don't just sing to hear your own voice. Don't just daven because you love your own voice. That defeats the whole purpose. Let's review the points to carry over. Thank you for staying with us. Make sure to play all the time. Sing all the time. Listen to music constantly. It leads to happiness and infuses joy and emotion into life. Music can be inspired at any time. Make sure to capitalize on the inspiration to infuse it with song and music. Being happy in service of Hashem is greater accomplished than musical accompaniment, especially when used with instruments. If you feel sad, use music to help you. If you feel down, allow music or a musical instrument to let out your sorrow through music, song, and expression. I personally purposefully have at least three intentionally sad songs I wrote on the guitar. If you have a talent for music and know how to use it in a play and scene, use it for others, teach it to others, and not let it be wasted. Appreciate the music around you. Don't lose out on the harmonious music around you. Don't be a person in the metro. Don't be one of those 1097 people who walked by Joshua Bell and missed out on the beautiful music for those 43 minutes. Make sure to fully be involved in the music. Use your talents for music. Use it for others. 
and be involved in music, understand, appreciate the music, the beautiful harmonies and music in our life around us. Use music to thank Hashem and praise Hashem and to recount elements of His care for us. Songs should be used in davening, praying, learning, studying on the Torah and the Haftorah through different elements in life. Infuse music and song wherever possible in life. We should use our own hands to physically imbue music with spirituality. The hands can connect the body to soul to infuse music from within to come out into life. Hence, instruments require hands to play them. Make sure not to sing only by oneself or to sing with others and keeping in mind the idea of Kalisha, family, friends, and in shul. Sing along as one unit and one voice. Think about the idea of singing as one unit. When singing with others, make sure to include everyone with parts they can contribute and help out with. Even if it means a triangle with a tapper for a small child, get everyone involved with their respective parts. And make sure to sing with others that which they want to hear, such as when dominating for others. Make sure to use familiar, enjoyable tunes for others to join in and not just hear your own voice. Understand the might of music. Understand the fundamental power, the fundamental ability, the fundamental awesomeness of music. Music is all around us. Music, harmony, the tunes are all around us. Don't be someone that rushes by and misses out on the greatest free concerto virtuoso the subway has ever seen in years. Don't be one of those who rush by in life. Stop. Listen to the music. Appreciate the music. Play the music. Keep the music in your life. Your life will never be the same. This has been the lecture series with Reb T. God willing, join us back in a week from Monday and a little less than two weeks where we talk a topic per session with some practical lessons here on the lecture series with Reb T. And I'm your host, Reb T.